Welcome to CDM Media's Executive Insights. I'm your host, J.D. Miller, and we have a great show for you today. It may not come as a surprise to many of you, but tech jobs are hot and the most in-demand jobs out there. We've got Dave Diamond, founder and CEO of CyberSN, joining us today. Now, if you're not familiar with CyberSN, CyberSN, they really match cybersecurity professionals to jobs and removes the pain from job searching and hiring. So when we come back, Dave Diamond. Deidre, thanks for joining me. Hi, JD. It's so great to be here. Well, and I was thinking the last time I saw you, we were standing at a CDM event. I believe that was in San Francisco. And yep. it's it, a lot's happened. Yes. A lot has happened yes. from there. So good to be back together and having these conversations, whether they're digital or not. It's, uh, it's nice to have these conversations. And it's starting to feel a little bit more normal, especially as we're hopefully heading out of this pandemic. But yeah, I, I want to dive in and talk about the market, though. Talk to me, what's changed with the cybersecurity job market during this pandemic? Yeah, it's a, a lot, a lot. So, you know, we've had the general shortage of cybersecurity professionals before this pandemic, right? And that that shortage was already hurting. But then the pandemic hit and this push to the remote workforce and digitalization uh, put a significant strain on cybersecurity professionals. I mean, they had to rapid shift to remote work with short security planning and high expectations, but must be secure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Increased data locations, right? And in, in, in access requirements, on-prem, cloud, devices, home networks. I mean, I know even from my own organization, it's, it's a lot that wasn't necessarily anticipated for. And uh, security professionals were also tasked with IT-related tasks. So not only did we get an increase in attack volume and velocity, we've got an increase in um, at, you know, work for security professionals instantly. And that, and that has, uh, of course, caused a lot of challenges, uh, particularly since it takes you know, years to develop a security you know, practitioner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing that's happened to the cybersecurity professional is they have a seat at the table with a lot of organizations. Now you have to be able to talk that language. Are you hearing that being a struggle? You know, I mean, it's always a struggle to, <laughs> to, to present to a board or what have you, but they're doing a good job at it. They're making it happen. You know, you're absolutely right. We just published our update of job categories in cybersecurity. And it, in the last 12 months, it went from 35 to 45. And one of the biggest areas of increase were managers, directors, BISOs, which are business information security officers. You really never saw those roles now they're out there to the abundant um professions or um professors you know the need of professors oh my gosh i mean we scrape in all jobs in the u.s and that's how we get this data and huge jump there so so that means that these presentations to the board or to these other executives is is working because they're getting the budgets to hire these managers and directors, which they didn't have before, so that they those people can build their teams, which means a massive influx uh, that's that's happened. And we're really starting to see it this year. And, you know, the, the, the amount of budget increase we're really I mean, it's significant. 
It, it, it really is. And as, as you are, are scraping and, and looking out there to, to help your partners, talk to me a little bit about what markets are you seeing the hottest right now? Well, what has happened is that, uh, well, in terms of industries, it's everybody, but of course, you know, um, healthcare is at the, at the top. And then, you know, believe it or not, software companies who are need to have security practices that pass vendor security uh, uh, audits and, and um, you know, documentation. Uh, so from an industry perspective, it's really everywhere, you know, finance, it's, it's, we haven't seen one particular industry um, have an uptick. But what we've seen on the job side is, and the, the other reasons why it went from 35 to 45 is that technical, you know, that security engineer is no longer um, doing IAM and, you know, DevSecOps or, right, and they're separated. Now IAM is its own functional role. DevSecOps is its own functional role, meaning people are hiring these people just to do that versus it's part of their day. Uh, so a lot more specialization as, as these departments need to hone in on um, these particular areas. And that's, that's, there's been a big increase in that, uh, again, um, without a doubt, threat hunting. That, that was my next thing, the, the, the threat hunting, especially when we're seeing such an uptick in reported ransomware. There's, it, it's been there. It, it, it's just a lot more visible now. How are you seeing uh, the people that you're working with that are looking to fill these roles focused on ransomware? Yeah, well, um, you know, there. What's happening is that organizations are are really having their own threat hunters. They're not relying on technology only. They see technology as solving the easy stuff. But these threat hunters, you know, they're looking for anomalies and 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 following those anomalies that are barely discovered for months and months and months. You know what I mean? Like they're deep hunters. And so, really, what we're seeing is that organizations are having these teams, you know, versus outsourcing it or do you know just having a vulnerability uh, program. You know, there's a lot of investment in in threat hunters. And incident responders too. I mean, got other days that like, oh, incidents aren't going to happen, or you know, uh, they're happening all the time. You know, so how how are we responding to these incidents? Uh, sometimes they're false positives. Sometimes they're major. Sometimes they're nothing. They're tiny, and then everything in between. But you know, incident responders. You know, I didn't learn this until I had my own cybersecurity team that started with me about almost six years ago. That when there is something, they're the cool cucumber in the house. You know, <laughs> and that's a skill that has to be trained. That you know how to handle chaos potentially. You know, and an emergency work and everybody what's going on and who's to blame you know everybody wants to who's to blame it's like you know like let's just report what happened they have to document right like it's it's like an investigator you got to document everything and so they're just they're, they also are high eq is my point and not just iq and um, not a lot of teaching on that you know going on in the industry, as you, you know, I like to talk about a lot. That's, you know. It used to be marketing had their hands in every department. They, you know, were really kind of controlling. Right now, security professionals are marketers. They are part of the sales team. They are part of, you know, relationship team or, or operations. 
and, and like you're saying off the the top you know they're wearing way more hats than they have before so tons which is also part of the challenge of why this industry has been so challenged with talent to begin with is that because security isn't a one size fits all it's really not even an industry size fits all it's a company and just you know you're protecting that company their data their physical being their structures they may own or even properties or whatever they may own. that's that's just it, it covers the entire organization in ways that no other department does and so you you know a job description has to be very different and and that's not what happens everybody cut and paste the same job description <laughs> you know and so that's part of the dysfunction that's out there is that but, you know, what do we really need and how do we know what we need? And I don't, you know, it's hard for organizations to know now they've got to be security experts in order to hire security experts, right? Like that, that's a, that's a challenge. And we find that a lot of work that we do is in that area of understanding what an organization needs, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. When, when you look also, uh, recentmoney.com article eight, eight out of the top 20 most in-demand jobs out there are tech focused and, and a lot of those security focused. Um, so there's so much demand. So I, I do have a question for you along that lines. As a company looking to bring on quality talent, you could go a number of different ways, right? Um, you can go with a, a, a contractor, you know, you can go with a, a company that you're going to be outsourcing that to or bring someone in, right? And bringing in that right talent is a little bit of a challenge as well because you want to groom them and you got to keep them. That's right now for, I think for a lot of com companies, the toughest part is keeping that talent and you lose um, really that institutional knowledge that they've gained. Where are you seeing companies right now because of where budgets are? Are they looking to bring in their own people? Or are they looking to contract? What are you seeing? I love this conversation. So you don't see contractors in security unless uh, it's pretty, the SOC, the Security Operations yep. Center, the analysts. That's where you see a lot of contract work, or you know, of course, government or maybe energy regulated firms where they just deal with different types of budgets. In general, everybody's perm. Um, uh, or maybe it's a Fortune 100 and they have some sort of, you know, uh, staffing contracts and so they have to make it a contractor, but they really don't want to. So it's not, it's not a common thing. Um, I expect that it will become common, you know, over time, just because it's really a CapEx OpEx thing. It's not uh, anything other than that. But the problem is, is that in, in general, since we have such low EQ out in the world, you know, contractors are treated differently and that's not a good thing and people don't want that, you know. Uh, so, but really, I also love this conversation of retention because that's something I take very seriously in that, um, you know, I'll be putting my data in Snowflake here. But when I, when I built my platform two and a half years ago and we're about to launch July 31st, the entire marketplace for cybersecurity careers with that technology underlying, which is the taxonomy of, you know, common language for cybersecurity professionals based on tasks and projects so that jobs and resumes or profiles can actually be understood and matched. And I have the matching technology. Because of that, our professionals that we place are staying four times longer. Oh, wow. Dude, four times. That's I'm like, wow. I know. And I knew it because I was, I thought when I first built this platform years ago, I thought, you know, this is, I'm going to do what dating apps did 
to relationships happiness because people had the you know matches that were better for them more you know in common because they weren't just meeting at a bar or meeting at a wedding or meeting at work by chance and lust takes over they're actually meeting based on you know things that they have in common and choosing each other in that way and then also having volume choices well, when you do that, you make better matches. People stay together longer. And as somebody that worked for two serial entrepreneurial men for 21 years across three different companies and my folks here and, you know, work long time with me before as well as stay here forever. I like that. I like people sticking together. I think it's good for society when people don't have to worry about work or not love work or job search all the time. So I'm super excited about that. So, you know, here's, you know, we are short people, but if you're going to hire people and you've got a career plan for them and you can really, you know, speak to that program that you have for them, well, then you can get them because people aren't doing that for, for majority of the industry, but you can't usually get to them to get them. <laughs> right. Which is why I exist, which is why I'm building all this technology. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that, you know, you have to have a one-on-one -on -one service. You know, that means I can't even possibly serve everybody, even if I tried to do so, you know, so technology has to make that bridge. And, and I want to solve this problem for society because it's, it's, if you think about it, the people that are protecting us, as a nation, as individuals, our, our health, our, our you know, lives, our money, they are vulnerable right now because of the state of being short these professionals, so there's not enough people on their teams, and then also not loving where they work. Right. That means they're mentally stressed. If you don't love where you work, that's a problem. And so it really freaks me out as a, as a citizen, you know? So like, oh my gosh, I'm super committed to solving this. It's been a seven year ride and we're here, which is awesome. However, it's, it's gotta, you know, we, we'll solve it in this next release in terms of at scale, but goodness, this is bad. Yeah, well, so let's say I'm a cybersecurity executive. What should I be doing differently in my job search today that I didn't have to worry about pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic is that you better offer remote and don't even mess around with it because most people are. And so now your competition is greater, not less, right? So, you know, with by, by most companies offering remote just means that everybody's gonna take remote, you know? Most people want remote or minimally the option to be remote and come in if they wanted to. So, you know, organizations that are gonna put a demand of being in a certain office all the time, it's just not, it's not, you're gonna struggle if at all fill your role. Um, and then, um, you know, post pandemic, I would say, you know, nothing else is <laughs> everything is the same stuff. Know your job so you can communicate it well and have a career plan for them and, you know, make sure the interview process, everybody's on the same page and, and super, you know, engaged in their interview process and caring, uh, you know, that all hasn't changed at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about the growing role of women in cybersecurity, in cybersecurity leadership roles. Yeah, yeah. Great question. Thank you for asking that. So, um, well, <laughs> we're not, we're not growing, we're not advancing uh, quickly in leadership roles. It's just 
now starting to, you know, be, let's go, let's get women on boards and let's get women at executive level, but there's not many to choose from because we didn't take them from middle management and invest in them and put them through all these expensive trainings that are needed to really get those seats. So there's a gap, there's a desire, but there's a gap you know, to that, we have to invest in training and leadership and management courses and do all those things. So, you know, the good news is because there's the the desire and that desire has come down more regulatory than anything, but as we all know, that's how everything goes, money talks, (laughs) Um, that luckily that's happening. And, And so people care and they want to, and so we just need to continue to invest in the women that are here today and give them the courses they need in the training so that they can get those seats. And then, of course, it's the funnel, the bottom of the funnel that we have to continue, which I feel really good about what we've been doing in, in let's say, you know, um, K through 12 recently. I, I feel good about that. I'm feeling better about our four years uh, as well. And then there's just been tons of training institutes that have popped up that are you know, hands-on, you know, courses instead of, let's say, going to a four-year. And so I feel good about that sort of funnel a bit. I don't feel great about it because society still struggles with, you know, economic barriers, not that are, you know, that hurt all genders, you know, like to get into this business, it costs money. Right. Those certs are expensive for people that don't come from, you know, a, a financial back system that can support that. And so we've got this financial bear and that's why I'm like, ah, it's hard to be excited <laughs> because I know there's still so many problems and yet, wow, have we, you know, really um, y- y- taken this, this, this uh, being an ally, you know, men, men being allies to women, it's been so sweet and special to watch that that's, that's, it's movement, you know, but there's so much that has to go into the movement by way of skills training, you know, financial barriers to the skills training. It's, it's a lot that we have to do. Yeah. And closing that gap, as you mentioned, that, that gap is tough to, to cross because of just history and then also the training. And so if, you had to give advice to a, a young professional and she wants to really break into, you know, the, the, that seat at the table within an organization, those key roles that make a difference in cyber, what advice would you give? I would say that um, I, it, it, you're, you're talking about somebody that's already got experience and wants mm-hmm. to get into the higher roles. I think that um, investing in uh, management and leadership uh, trainings or getting your organization to do so. So things like situational leadership and Myers-Briggs and, uh, you know, those types of, of programs, as well as the programs that, you know, ask your organization, what, what do I need to be able to be in that room? You know, like, let them tell you what certifications, what degrees, uh, it's different for every organization. And I think first and foremost, women in general don't ask those questions or start knocking on doors, you know, before they think they're ready, whereas men traditionally knock well before they think they're ready. Uh, and so it's, it's a bit of changing their mindset to start knocking now 
and ask the questions of what, what is it that you need to see on my resume so that I can be in the executive room? And then you work your way from there. If you think the answer is ridiculous and not supportive, then leave because there's a lot of great organizations that will help you. If the answer is legit and they're willing to invest, you know, great. And if they're not willing to invest, I'd say leave too, because it's, I didn't have to pay for my training, you know? Uh, and, and I don't know many people that have it that did, you know, did I invest in some stuff outside? Yeah. But I, when I invested, I thought it was for personal <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right. know, EQ. and then it ended up being the same you know, for working for everything. So, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, people invested in me by investing in the training. And so you get to knock on that training door on that investment door, ask for it slash demand it in a very positive way. And then if you can't get it, go somewhere that'll give it to you. Great advice. Great advice. Last question for you. I want you to pull out your crystal ball. We're going to be sitting down, having a conversation in two years. What's going to be the biggest challenge for cybersecurity professionals? In two years, I think uh, for cybersecurity professionals in two years, I would say privacy, privacy, you know, privacy is coming to tech. There's actually a role now. I'm about to update my, my, my jobs to, to have it. It's so new, which is uh, privacy tech, which is building privacy into code. Wow. Uh, so I think in, you know, regardless of that privacy hasn't really hit us yet. <laughs> and it's, you know, like who's going to be the first company that, that, that gets taken down because, uh, somebody record, you know, but 50% of their database requires that their content be given to them and shut down based on GDPR. Like we can take a company out if everybody did it at one time, or at least a large port, you know, things like that. We haven't seen privacy hit. In, in, a, in, in that sort of a capacity. It's almost like its own attack, if you will. Uh, so I, I think we're gonna be dealing with privacy and, in, and um, it's gonna be very new and foreign to, to how to solve some of the issues we need to solve. Fantastic. Always great to connect with you, Deidre. It's been a fantastic discussion. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. To listen to past episodes of CDM Media Executive Insights at cdmmedia.com. Don't forget, keep connecting.